Are you also tired of one-size-fits-all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Welcome to Motherhood Unstressed, a podcast for anyone who wants to let go of stress and anxiety and learn how to be more fully present in life. Each week, I'm speaking with experts in the fields of entrepreneurship, nutrition, mindset, sex, spirituality, and so much more. I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. I'm a writer, a speaker, and an entrepreneur. Through my own struggle to balance the demands of motherhood and life, I discovered that to truly be happy, we need to be present. Your journey to feeling less stressed and more blissfully present in your own life starts right now. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I am so glad that you're here. In this episode, I'm speaking with Joanna Lynn, and she is a family constellations therapist. And what that means is she helps people deal with past unresolved family trauma and issues that they've inherited. Um, And so she really gets into the science behind how you can inherit something that your parents dealt with or their parents dealt with that was never resolved. I mean, it's fascinating. Um, And so the point of that, the point of bringing an awareness about that is that you heal your life um, and you heal others in your life when you break that cycle and say, okay, this, this trauma, this stress, this anger, this ends with me right here now. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I think it might even change your life. So enjoy this episode with Joanna Lynn. This episode is sponsored by Motherhood Unstressed CBD Supplements. These are supplements that I created with the intention of helping you battle stress and anxiety. And I have some exciting news. We recently launched the affiliate program and it is being run by a professional sales trainer. Uh, So if you have an audience and you live in the United States, please head on over to motherhoodunstressed.com and apply to be an affiliate and you are going to get some of the best sales training around. Um, And so really by sharing your experience with the CBD uh, to friends, family, clients, stores, you create a source of passive income for your life. Um, And it's really helping people. So it's something that is actually really super easy to sell, especially because CBD is so popular right now and it actually works. So head on over to motherhoodandstress.com and apply today. Well, hello, Joanna. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here and I cannot wait to dive into this topic. We haven't done anything like this on the show yet. So welcome to the show and thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. So I'm just going to dive right in with a question. Um, And I was just kind of on your site earlier today and it really intrigued me. And so I want us to cover what is emotional intelligence 
or I'm sorry, emotional inheritance mm. and, and how does it affect our lives? It's an interesting little slip there because the two are so interconnected. Mm. Um, I always joke with my clients that none of us get to be the way we are by accident. And chromosomally, biologically, we're half our mom and we're half our dad. And of course, this affects how we navigate relationships, how we show up as parents ourselves, even how we feel about ourselves, you know, confidence levels and self-esteem. It's really a very much the shaping factor of our emotional intelligence. And I don't think we give a lot of thought to what have we inherited from the family. Instead of thinking of, you know, a family inheritance about being something we would inherit like a house or, or money, but this emotional family inheritance comes a lot more than the shape of our eyebrows or the color of our hair. It has so much more to do about the emotions that are carried from grandparents to parents to us. And it's amazing to see science really showing what we've seen in this work for almost 50 years, that absolutely, think of it like we are a computer, if we use that analogy, we don't arrive with a clean hard drive. We're sharing an operating system with our mom and dad and our grandparents. It's quite amazing. That's so wild. And so I, I, the, I have to ask, is it more than biological that forms who we are as people or is it how we were raised? Because I mean, looking at my siblings, we're all completely different. I mean, we're all similar, but we're also very different. We have different careers. We have different quirks. Um, so how much do you think of it is biological and how much is it just nurture? Okay, that's a great question. I think with science today, it's less the conversation around nature or nurture as it once was. And I like to think of siblings as if we're sharing the same pie, and yet every slice of pie will will be different, so to speak. And so you can have lawyers and social workers and, you know, uh, all kinds of different people within the family. And yet they're all carrying a different percentage, if you will, a different quality from mom and dad. And so the family story lives out in each of us in different ways. So what I know when I work with the families that um, I'll work with in my practice, if you're the firstborn, most likely you're going to carry more of what's unresolved from mom and dad, much, much more so than let's say the third, fourth or fifth sibling, if you come from a larger family. And so the children that are uh, born later seem to have a bit of a lighter life experience, mm. not so intense. And so that can be some of the differences of how it's shared differently within families. That's completely fascinating to me. I mean, when you were talking, I was just thinking of my own, you know, selfishly of my own life experience. And I think mm -hmm. that you're right. I think, do you know why from the things that you've studied and the work that you've done, why that is? It's one of those things we just don't know, and yet we've observed it, you know, in case after case and family after family, that it's now something we just sort of go, okay, let, let, let's look at this. It's more of a, a guiding principle in the work. And the other thing that comes into play, of course, if there's a mix of genders, we've got brothers and sisters. And so you might think, well, gosh, I'm not the oldest, but I am the oldest girl. And so as a daughter, we may be more likely to carry what might be unresolved or a really intense part of our mom's history, and our brother may carry more for our dad. 
And so our son, he's an only child. So he has nobody to share the proverbial sibling pie with. And he's going to get a double dose of what's unresolved for, for me or from his dad. Wow. Okay. So moving on, like once you've, you've accepted this, you've observed it, how then can we break the cycle of, of this inherited, maybe it's negativity or, you know, unresolved issues, stress that's put upon um, these kids? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. You know, okay, now we know this. Now, what the heck do we do about it? Mm-hmm. And I think the first step is really the awareness of it. Okay, wow. So here I am struggling with my anxiety again. We use that as an example. Okay, wow. Yeah, my mom was really anxious. Maybe I don't know if grandma was anxious or not. It's not so much about finding where it started, but it may be that awareness of how much of my nervousness or uncertainty or that scatteredness that may come with anxiety actually not be mine. And then we begin to look at the relationship between uh, what I call a merge. So if we're merged with a parent, living life like them, I have anxiety, mom has anxiety. And so we want to begin to unpack that relationship you have with your mom. What I've noticed over the years is when that relationship isn't fluid, Let's say, you know, we have a really difficult relationship with our mom or we feel more like, you know, her mom than we do her daughter or it's just somewhat distant. Then we're much more likely to carry what's unresolved in her or, or even what we may judge in her. So a lot of the time, the resolution or how we find um, completion to what's going on for us is within the relationship with the parent where there may be some of that, those similarities. Wow. So what, what are some tools that you give to your clients to kind of unravel that and, and recognize that maybe this isn't my stuff, you know, maybe this is her stuff and I need to kind of step aside and, and observe it as an outsider. What do you, what tools do you give your clients? Mm. Well, a lot of the work that I do is really informed by neuroscience. I like to give people um, concrete things that they can bring into their lives so that we don't have to work together once a week forever. You know, mm-hmm. we've, we've got this deep dive work and then they go back into their lives equipped with new tools. And so some of them, some of these tools are really looking at the bigger picture, So I think sometimes when we're kind of locked in a place where, let's say we blame our mom for being critical or our dad for that matter, it's not just about our mom, and there's kind of a bit of a shut door between us and that parent. So what I like to guide my clients to do is to sort of look at, okay, if dad was, you know, controlling or critical... Let's try to understand why that happened. Mm. Let's get some information around how was he parented? Oh, wow. You know, grandpa was sent away to war and it didn't come back quite the same. He was very stoic and some would even say cold. And wow, you know, his mom struggled with alcoholism in the absence of grandpa. And, you know, there was however many children involved. And so, you know, dad didn't get a lot of that tenderness and care. And so no wonder he was withdrawn. No wonder he was critical. So we start to widen the understanding instead of just keeping it locked in, you know, dad did this to me. Because then we relate to life, we relate to that relationship from kind of that stuck point and not a lot can move from there. I love that. I love that. And I think that that's something 
that everyone can do, not just for their family, but even, you know, a difficult coworker or a boss or somewhat a stranger. And you're, you have to kind of step back and think, well, why are they acting in such a crazy way? Or why are they flipping out right now? Let me try to see it from their perspective. I think that that's really valuable. I think that that's mm-hmm. a really important and not so easy thing that we can all do in our daily lives. Thank you. Agreed. And I love that you've brought in the work piece because who we are in our family is, of course, who we bring to work. So if we felt, gosh, I don't fit in my family or I'm not understood or I, you know, some, some version of I don't belong, we end up bringing that sense to work. And, you know, maybe we feel like our coworkers are leaving us out or, you know, maybe we've had very critical parents and now our boss plays that critical role. It seems as though these themes that we lived in our family, if they haven't been worked out and resolved, find a way back in, whether it's professionally or in how we may parent our own children. It's as if it comes back around and life's asking, okay, you know, how do you want to work with it this time? Mm, wow. So that, that's a great segue into my next question is, you know, a lot of our listeners are mothers and, you know, we're all doing the best that we can with what we've got. Um, what are some key things that they can be aware of, you know, when you're parenting kids um, mm-hmm. with this, with this idea that, you know, you're, you're bringing in a lot of your history with you into your parenting That's a very good way to say it. Um, And so I think whenever we as parents, you know, I I say this to myself as well as a mom, whenever we're triggered, it's what's really going on behind that. You know, so as an example, when my son was really young, um, he really needed a lot of reassurance and a lot of extra hugs. And um, if there were, you know, meltdown over something, he'd really need that attunement and attention to sort of find his footing again. And so I would, I could easily be overwhelmed by that or maybe sort of, you know, annoyed by that. And it's beginning to look at my history and my husband's history and to notice in both of our histories, there were experiences where, you know, we were separated for times from each of our parents for a length of time. I was in daycare as a six-week-old baby. Uh, His mom and dad had to travel abroad uh, when he was very young. And so our children end up expressing in their behavior a lot of what was painful for us mm-hmm. that maybe we've, you know, skipped over and just, you know, we grow up and we get on with life and we forget some of those tender parts of our childhood. And so our kids, they end up expressing what's unresolved for either mom or dad and then sometimes even within the marriage so if there's lots of fighting and tension, that may be coming out in your, in your children's response to life. And so I think a more powerful question when we're parenting is what is this behavior, you know, pointing to? What could I be looking at if we looked at our kids' behaviors almost like clues instead of how do I discipline this or, or get this back in line? Wow, that's powerful. I mean, I love that you just said that because it kind of takes the shame out of it. It kind of takes the stress out of it. It, it I think when we're curious about anything in life, it it frees us a little bit to be objective and to be, you know, not tied in emotionally and you you know, you're questioning everything that you're doing. If you're really just looking at it as an outsider, it really does give you the space to kind of figure out what's really going on. So I love that you said that. I've never thought of it that way. 
Mm-hmm. And I think too, you know, any one of us, you know, we're rushing home from work, we've got to get dinner on, you know, we're in this mode and we may not have the most wide sense of patience in the moment, but if we can catch ourselves instead of moving into being furious about whatever's going on, how do we just move it a bit over to being curious? What's behind this? What can I look at? Because then we really solve it once and for all instead of bumping up the same challenging behaviors. I love it. So for our listener who's, you know, this might be interesting to them, but they're not really sure, why would they want to engage in, you know, releasing the past trauma or recognizing it, dealing with it? Because oftentimes it's not comfortable. It's not fun. Um, Why would they want to even try this? Hmm. Well, great question. I mean, I, I believe if we don't really give give this a look, you know, and it doesn't always have to be super painful or, or difficult, but if we don't get a little bit of inquiry around, you know, gosh, why does this frustrate me so much when my spouse does this? Or why is this so exhausting when my child needs this? We're sort of in this cycle of repeat Mm. where, you know, you better get darn comfortable with that same old argument with your spouse or have this unsettled thing back at work. So I just find this work to be a way of moving beyond what we've memorized in the body. You know, like I'll only ever get this much love or geez, self-care, like what's that? I always fall to the bottom of my own list. Mm-hmm. We'll seem to bump up against the same, the same challenges. And I find when we can look at not only the parts that made us, but using some of the greatest tools we know today, life can just feel a whole much lighter and it just flows with much more ease. We get off the repeat cycle. Yeah. And I would imagine from a neurological standpoint, you're kind of rewiring the brain when you do that. I mean, is that what you've seen and studied? Absolutely. So I find neuroplasticity just so exciting and how actually malleable and changeable we are. And if we look back from a generational perspective, we know the love that we received forms the pattern for our next loving relationship, you know, our marriage, and then of course the love we have for our kids. So it only makes sense that as we potentially have the ability to give to our kids what we had always hoped for, and maybe even more importantly, give to ourselves that love we had always hoped for, we begin to repattern the deepest parts of ourselves. Wow. So with all of the amazing clients that you've worked with, what has been you know, one of the most notable transformations that you've seen and, and worked with? Hmm. Ooh, that's a big question because I've, <laughs> I've been doing this work for, gosh, 10 years now. Um, you know, just yesterday, I worked with a couple who I had seen years and years before, and they had two young kids, and they had decided to separate. And I saw them, they'd been separated for two years now, and they have found their way to reconcile and come back together. And so that felt like a really joyful, um, and and just the questions that they asked, you could tell that they've given the work that we did together, just so much thought. And, you know, I think sometimes we think in a relationship, the, the happy ending, the hallmark ending is that, you know, we're always just together till death do us part. And this couple, it really showed that sometimes the separation and the distance that was needed at the time is the very catalyst that they found their way back together. Mm -hmm. 
I've had other couples where separating and giving that healthy respect and distance allowed them to co-parent from such an empowered place. Um, and I think the, the, the work that stands out the most to share a bit of a story with your listeners is, um, I'll give her the name of Michelle. You know, she'd been really unhappy in her relationship for a long time. And, you know, they had sought out counselors. She'd read every book she could kind of find that was related to the challenges they were having in their relationship. But they kept bumping up against the same arguments. And the issues kind of remained the same. They just kind of felt stuck. Mm-hmm. And so when we began to look at each other's family history, because you know, the stats say 70% of what goes on in any marriage or long-term relationship has to do with each other's family of origin. Um, but I've got to admit, the longer I've worked in this, I, I kind of think it's more like 99%. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. so the first thing I want to do is sit down and understand each other's family history. So when I started to ask Michelle about, you know, her upbringing, her mom and dad, well, her dad had struggled with alcoholism basically as long as she could remember. And for him, that meant difficulty keeping a steady job. And so her mom was really carrying the bulk of of everything. And they ended up separating when she was just five or six years old. And that was sort of the breaking point for her after that. She didn't see dad very much. He was kind of, you know, the bad one in the family story. Mm -hmm. And uh, her mom had to work two jobs just to, you know, pay the mortgage and and put the food on the table. And so she actually ended up feeling closer to babysitters, um, you know, than her own parents Mm -hmm. because dad's out of the picture and, and mom was kind of working all the time. And so the main message that she brought forward about her marriage was, he's not giving me what I need. And if we could look back to her childhood experience, it's as like what any little girl would feel. Dad's not there, mom's at work. And it's as if that feeling of you're not giving me what I need was stuck on repeat. And so the first step that we work together is on this awareness to begin to notice, aha, he's actually showing up identical to the inner image that I have about love. And then we've really got to get real with what are those oftentimes, you know, packed away in her body feelings of grief or, or even fear or, you know, kind of turning away from her dad to be on her mom's team, the parent that was really there. And it does such damage to children to have to pick one parent over the other. Mm. So, so much of this was just swirling around in her body and, And then we began to have a conversation um, with her mom and dad from that little girl perspective, from an adult understanding now, so that for the first time in all the years she was married, she was able to see her husband with fresh eyes, not the eyes maybe her mom would see her dad through or the replication of her parents' relationship. Wow. And then her work was really this commitment to give to herself what she wasn't receiving as a little girl. I think a lot of the times what we think is marital work can sometimes end up being work we need to do for ourselves before we can take that next step to really strengthen our our relationship. Wow, that's so powerful what you just said. And I hope, you know, the listener 
just had a light bulb go off. I mean, cause it's just, it seems like it's so simple, but no one talks about this. You know, it's not out there. If you've got a problem with your marriage, well, it's because you're not getting along and you need to figure out the other's love language. I mean, it's just, it's so, exactly. you know, as if a date night once a month can solve this stuff. Exactly. It's than that. Yeah. This is really, this is really, really powerful work that you're doing. And I'm so glad that you're on the show. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, just to bring awareness about this because it is, I mean, it's it's a game changer. I think the second that you shine a light onto this and people start thinking about it and being like, oh, wow, I mean, maybe maybe this is true. And, and holy cow, this is leading me to so many other realizations in my life and in my work and everything, um, especially as a parent, which, you know, is just the most important job in the world. And uh, like to not know that you're doing damage is really scary. And then to know... And then you can make changes. I think it's just so empowering and it will change the world. I mean, right here and now. I agree. I mean, Mother Teresa's favorite quote, if you want to go out there and change the world, you know, go home and love your family. Mm. I just think the more peaceful families we can have, the more peace there will be in the world as, as a ripple effect. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Oof, I love it. Um, so what is the, what's the biggest takeaway you want our listeners to have from this talk today? Hmm. I think if we could switch the narrative on, you know, my mom didn't do this or my dad couldn't give that, what if we looked at it as gaining resources from the style of parenting that you received? You know, so for me, if I'm in daycare at six weeks, I really needed to learn how to be resilient and independent. And, um, you know, I really do have come to count on myself. And maybe that's where my entrepreneurial spirit comes from. Um, maybe the experience of that early separation between my mom and I is the very seed for this work that I love to do so much. And so is there a way your listeners can begin to even look at the things that they wished could have been different and really truly see it as a gift of life? You know, what is the greatest gift we can give another person is this gift of life. Any woman that's been through labor you know, knows what I'm saying. Um, and then as adults, that we kind of go, you know what, I'll take it from here. And those pieces I'd always wished you could have given, I'm going to commit to giving them to myself. Wow. And that's how I'm going to really love you, mom and dad. So for our listeners who want to learn out, you know, learn more about you and what you're doing in the world, how can they find you? Certainly by visiting my website at www.joannalynn.ca. And my name is a bit uniquely spelled, so I'll quickly spell that for you. J-O-H-A-N-N-A-L-Y-N-N.ca, because I'm living in Canada. And certainly under that name, you can find me on Facebook. I love to share some of the latest um, intergenerational research and articles of that nature. So if that's something that sparked your interest, you can find more info there. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your light and this information. I truly, truly feel in my gut that someone listening right now has been benefited and is going, it's going to change their life. I know it. So thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you loved this episode with Joanna Lynn. I hope you got so many aha moments out of it. I know that I did. I really do find this kind of stuff fascinating. 
Um, so if something resonated with you, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That's really like those two ways are the ways that it grows and gains more popularity and just gets out to more and more people. It's just by organic sharing and reviews. That's it. That's it. <laughs> um, um, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. If you've been tuning in week after week, just thank you from the bottom of my heart. You are so important to me. And if this is your first time here, thank you for finding me. I'm so glad that we're connecting in this way on this medium. Um, and feel free if you're listening to this, tag me in your Insta stories and tell me what you liked about the episode and I'll share it back out and we can just kind of keep this conversation going. Um, so next week, guys, I love you. Have a great week. This episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. This is the finished company bringing you medicinal mushrooms and they just released a skincare line. So now you can make your skin more beautiful and it's actually also edible. The serum and the mask is edible. So that just shows you how incredibly safe it is if you can eat it and how beneficial it is for your skin. Um, if you head on over to foursigmatic.com, you can use the code unstressed to save 15%. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.